Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Woman to Woman. I am your host, Antricia Bray-Smith, author, educator, and public speaker. I am the voice for those who suffer in silence. Today, we have a special guest host, Miss Wawana Montgomery, who is here to share with us as we talk from the topic of the challenges of raising teens. Now, guys, I know that life is hectic enough by itself, but when you add a pandemic, when you add uh, the changes that are going on economically, the fear of losing our jobs, not knowing what to expect from one day to the next, when you add teens into the equation, we know that that can take on a whole nother dynamic by itself. So welcome, Miss Montgomery. Thank you for joining us. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. I am also a speaker, an international speaker and two-time award-winning author of a book for teen girls called Bold, Brave, and Courageous, a no-fear success guide for teen girls. And my platform is Wanna Speak. So I get the chance to travel around uh, the United States and abroad, sharing my message of living the no fear life for teen girls and women. I still work a nine to five job as well. So, you know, I have my hand in several buckets. I'm a wife and have been for over 20 years. Uh, come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. And I've got a son who's a freshman in college. My daughter's 14 and in high school. My niece is 14. And I've also got a bonus daughter who's 29. So I've got grandchildren, son-in-law, just the whole spectrum. And then to add the, the other thing to my hat, um, I spend a lot of time uh, with teenagers on behalf of teenagers as the founder and executive director of Reach Forward Foundation, which is a mentoring program for sixth through 12th grade young ladies and young men as well. So I consider myself to be an expert. <laughs> well, indeed you are, <laughs> there's a lot of hats to carry. And I know that uh, you have so much more on top of what you have mentioned to us, which is why I wanted to share this platform with you today to talk about something that uh, I know in one way or another, we are all, uh, finding it challenging, even more so uh, in the past 14 months than any other time. The challenges that we're having as it relates to the teens. Now, I don't have any right. teen children in the house, but I work with teens on uh, my day job. So uh, I I'm looking at all kind of 
issues that we're faced with now as uh, adult supervisors in the schools that these teens are really dealing with. And so I know if it's in the schools, it's in the homes. So what do you have to share with us today? Uh, what, what are some of the challenges that our teens are facing and what can we do to help? I think the major challenge is any, any teenager right now, as we are as adults, is living in a completely different time. And essentially their lives and everything that they thought was normal and took for granted just turned on a dime. You know, one day you went on spring break and you were glad for that break, but instead school lasted about two or three more weeks and then it was closed for the whole semester because of COVID-19. And then you have, you know, teenagers in the situation like my girls, uh, and I'll even back it up, my son, was one of the, he was a class, the class of 2020 in high school. So the class that didn't have prom, the class that didn't have an in-person graduation, many high schools have a senior trip, all of those things that they fully expected. And you've worked hard all these years in high school for these rites of passage, they were unable to have. And then they went on to college with a totally different experience, 100% virtual or hybrid or what have you. And then, you know, looking at my girls, they're freshmen in high school. So, you know, that's when you're looking forward to throwing on your gear and, you know, they throw their little eyelashes on. They, they are cute, but they think they're extra cute. And they was ready to strut down the hallway and see what boys was looking at them and bat their eyes back. And instead, they've been at home staring at me and my husband every day, uh, <laughs> except for the two days a week when they finally got the chance to do hybrid. You know, and even simple things like going to the movies. Well, that's only become a reality again in the last two or three months. So everything that they have been accustomed to socially shut down on them, you know, and the very thing that as adults and parents, we're always saying, put your phone down and get off your iPad. Well, now that's what you're doing even for your education. And if you can't go anywhere, what are you going to do but stay on your phone and on your iPad, your laptop, whatever it is that you have to have. So they're in a world that kind of took, you know, the fun social outlets that they would expect. And, and that's a lot. It takes a toll on them, I think. And so part of one of the challenging lessons that I think we can use to support them, you know, they might have done pretty well. I feel blessed. Um, they academically have done very well. And I think I actually heard a, a stat that something like 40% of students in Oklahoma are failing. So, you know, with those numbers in mind, and I, and I will add a grain of salt because that statistic was shared with me by my husband. So hopefully it's correct. Don't get upset, Oklahoma educators, if that's not quite correct. But we do know even from talking to teachers that a lot of students are really struggling. Some have even given up even trying, even if they were good students in person, it is just very challenging, not to mention if you have an IEP or are a special education student, or there's just certain, like math is more challenging for both of my girls. As math gets more and more difficult, it's harder and harder to be learning that skill that's already challenging for you online, you know, where you're not sitting in the classroom and you can just raise your hand and get immediate help. So there's so much more that we need to do to support them. Um, I try my best, and, and you can let me know what you do too. I try my best to remember to not just talk to them when it's, hey, clean your room. Why didn't you do this? It's time to get up. 
but let them know, you know, I'm really proud of you for the grades that you have right now. You know, I know it's hard to motivate yourself to wake up and come downstairs and sit at the computer, but I really appreciate that effort. You know, you're doing a great job. We try to have some game night. I wouldn't, I can't say that I'm perfect and it happens every week, but trying to find that time to do something that's just fun and honor them for the fact that they are still moving on and, and persevering. What are, what are some of the things that you've seen with the young people you work with? How, how do you try to keep them motivated and encouraged during this time? Well, I, I'm a special education teacher. So um, for years, I have always used technology as a part of my curriculum. So the transition wasn't as hard for my students in particular as I have some that are home and I have some that are also in the classroom. So the ones that are at home, they're doing really well. But looking at the whole dynamics of the students in Oklahoma, uh, a lot of them are struggling. And, and some of the other things that I see that have increased is, you know, the outside, those predators and, and things like that. They're capitalizing on those students being online uh, during the daytime. And so they're reaching out. So a child that uh, is at home on the computer or in the classroom on the computer, uh, you, you have the, those predators now in their inboxes and things like that, distracting them away. And so it does cause a lot of, um, a lot of us, I guess, as educators and those in the schools, uh, it, it, it has a lot of concern behind that now, because now instead of just worrying about uh, teaching a math skill, now we also have to uh, find ways to monitor what's actually going on when the kids are engaged on those uh, computers and things like that. So. Um, and I wanted to kind of back you up just a little bit when you gave that st statistic about Oklahoma students uh, failing um, uh, many or having that academic loss. And I want to say that because of the dynamics of Oklahoma, we are a poor state. Hands down, we are a poor state. Many of our kids are in these rural areas and poverty exists and along with poverty, the illiteracy along with that, the addictions and other substances. So the unemployment, so all those statistics together, eliminating or reducing that safe haven of school and, and having those meals provided for them and things like that. I, I, I know that it directly impacts the child's ability to focus academically. Absolutely. And, and we're seeing so much of that, uh, even in our schools, you know, and not only are, uh, have the addictions uh, just in the families, but, you know, our students even are having access to things that they shouldn't have access to. And so that raises even more concerns. So my question to you is where where do, where do we go from here what does this look like because we know that even with um things outside of our control now oklahoma has legalized medical uh marijuana and uh things like that too so in a state that was already struggling what direction do you see oklahoma headed for now 
I basically feel like anyone who has anything to offer young people in the community is going to have to figure out how to do it. You know, like my, my program, we would normally meet in person on third Saturdays and we've tried our best to stay engaged, but you have varying levels of comfort with families, you know, as far as COVID is still going on when the weather was nice, we met outside. So people felt a, a bit better about coming together because at least you're outside, you could spread out that wear your mask is fresh air flowing. But yet when we had an ACT prep class, which was so popular last year that we maxed, we didn't get enough registration this year and had to cancel because it, it's still needed, but not enough people, either they weren't comfortable because the, the instruction was going to be virtual, but we were still convening the students indoors because there's no point in hosting the class and students being at home and you don't know if they're tuned in and paying attention or not to the instruction. Anybody with anything going on is going to have to figure out how to stay tuned in and get the resource to those who need it. You know, my husband also works for a nonprofit that is normally doing classes in school. He's just now gone back in the classroom last week because Oklahoma City Public Schools returned. But when they were out, their whole mission changed and it became check on the families. Now you got to spend more time talking to the parents. How can you support them? Because the student wasn't in the classroom for you to do the leadership program with them. So the whole focus was, well, now let's check in on the entire household. So I feel like there's some good things that have happened, however, like I told my, my girls' teachers, the one thing I like that I actually feel like they need to keep doing, and we could have been doing it a long time ago, because like you, last year when my girls were in middle school, their middle school had become a one-to-one -one device. They didn't get to bring it home, but they took an iPad to all of their classes and some of their textbooks were even digital and ex accessible through the iPad. Well, you already had the technology. One thing that I really like now that they were forced to do because of distance learning, anything that needs an explanation, particularly like math or like the English teacher is explaining how to analyze the text or reading, the lecture is pre-recorded. So if they're working on it at home and we don't understand, we can hit play on that video and watch it again together. Because in regular school, the student is just sitting in the classroom and if they don't catch it when the teacher is saying it and they don't know how to take proper notes, my kids have to do something called Cornell notes. I don't even know what that is, but it's a specific format. It's got a special notebook that's the lines are a certain way. Now I can go back as the parent and watch it with them. Before I just couldn't help. And I was a I was an advanced student, but you know math. They they've taken every method and changed it. So even if you know how to get the same answer, there's a different method. So where we're going, I think some good things. We may have figured out how to use technology in a meaningful way in the classroom. Um, the one thing I've laughed and I said the kids may not appreciate, I don't think they'll ever have another snow day because they've been doing distance learning anyway. So now that, you know, when it snowed recently, they're like, oh, today is a virtual learning day. If you were going to be in, in person, there may never be another snow day because teachers and students have all been doing distance learning anyway. I think we have to, we can't ignore the digital divide anymore because that was like a wide open sore when all of a sudden everyone had no choice. And I had a principal, cause you know, my, my day job, I work in educational technology. And this, I've never heard this terminology used before, but it 
cracked me up. And I find, later, somebody explained to me what he was saying. One of my rural principals, he said, we are having the worst time right now because we're, it's where we live, where our school is positioned is so far out in the country. It's like, I got, I got to get this right. He said, we're sitting on, it's like sitting on top of the holler with a razor trying to get a signal. <laughs> and I was like, what is, what does that mean? He's sitting on top of the holler with a razor. And someone said, you know, like thick Appalachian mountains, you're way out in the hills and people go up high so they can holler and be heard across the valley. And the razor is metal. So it's like, literally you're on top of the hillside holding up a razor, hoping that some kind of signal. And that's, that's what he right. said. And it was so funny. <laughs> with the, with the like, antennas, we, as we call them, uh, antennas right. when we were coming up, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, we've had to strengthen the broadband in the school so that families can sit in the mm -hmm. parking lot in their car and, and, and the students can do the homework because they don't have internet at home or the internet in the neighborhood is just not reliable enough. So I think where we go from here, we've, we've got to look at the digital divide and do something about that because a computer is no longer the rich man, the rich family's tool. Like it's absolutely necessary for education and everything else. And then we've got to look at, you know, they, they figured out what to do with food. Okay, hand it out, drive through, whatever you need yeah. to do. We've, we've got to figure that out because no one's focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic if my stomach is growling. Absolutely. I mean, you can't. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Not at all. And you hit on so many of the challenges that our babies are facing uh, in real time uh, right now. Uh, you also hit on how important these nonprofits uh, non and communities are. And that was one of the uh, things that I, I, I was trying to make so aware here in our area in Southeast Oklahoma, where I'm at, uh, is that, you know, it may be a time our churches are going to have mm -hmm. to step up some of these uh, community social groups and things like that, that are even, even if they're not already equipped with Wi-Fi uh, to, to get that and have a place for the kids to come in to have that safe haven, uh, that supervision, mm -hmm. because that's what's important. Even with my nonprofit, that's uh, one of the pivots that we've made uh, for this school year is that we gave the kids an option. And if they didn't feel safe in the schools, we gave them alternative location for them to come and still get that education. Um, and it's good just to have that, but how much more if the churches would get on board, uh, some of the community organizations where the buildings are just sitting there, not being used and they're equipped to have this space to even be uh, a resource for the school. Because right. school administration, you know, this is new for them. And many of them were looking for answers, looking for solutions. And how can we all come together and minimize some of the strain that is not only affecting the teens, but the parents as well? We see the whole dynamics. It's like a domino effect. And so it, we, we have to wake up. <laughs> we have to wake up. We're all looking at the school, looking at the school, looking at the school. 
but we forget that we're the ones in the schools and when we're hopeless and we're clueless and we don't have answers where are the answers going to come from you know somebody's parent is teaching in the school somebody's parent is the administration uh in the places of administration and uh some of us our kids are up and grown we don't really uh, have that empathy or really understand right now what these teens are dealing with and so mm -hmm. it's more than just uh being at home it's more than just uh, now what do we do for socialization uh we have some real big issues that we're dealing with that right. our teens are dealing with and when we don't have answers where does that leave our babies right and another major challenge, we, we all know this, um, mental health. If there was already a mental health issue, it's been exacerbated by having an environment where you were even more isolated, um, more along with your thoughts that might not be healthy ones. Um, and then some just staying in. I, I recently learned something new and it's part of what my, my next Monday night chat for moms and mentors is gonna be about. Um, my daughter had been having some GI issues and you think about it like as an adult, it's a regular part of our physicals that every so often they do blood work. When you think about it, they don't do that for well child visits. I just thought about they don't do lab work. That's not a normal process. But the pediatric GI specialist was like, well, this acute pancreatitis that she's having, which is so random for a young person, there might be some other issues that we need to look at. So they did lab work and it turns out she's only 14, but she's severely iron anemic and vitamin D deficient. I'm also vitamin D deficient. And, um, and so I've been taking, had to take a higher level of it. Hers is lower than mine. The, and it, that this is gonna be related to the mental health part. The lowest number of normal, whatever the measurement is, is 30. Mine was only like 17 a couple of years ago. And I think now maybe it's gotten up to 23, 25. It's still not normal. Hers is all the way down to 12. So they put her on some vitamin D that's so strong that you only take it once a week. And what the uh, nurse was saying, she said, it is very important to get that under control because when your vitamin D is low, it causes depression. Who knew that? It caused, so people are probably looking around at their teenagers, especially a girl and wonder like, what's wrong with her? There's no reason for her to be, they're like, it causes depression. It causes poor sleep. Okay, if you go without, if you have poor sleep long enough, <laughs> you're going to be depressed and grouchy over that. And any normal pain that you have said your pain is worse. You're, you're, it causes you to be, have more pain. As, I said, none of that is good at all. So who knew that a physical issue like a vitamin D deficiency could lead to mental health issues? Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are things, again, it's not normal medical protocol to get lab work done on a young person, unless something is wrong that you've yeah. already put your finger on, you know? So I just was really thinking about that. And, you know, and sometimes she had talked about sometimes just feeling down, like didn't really know why didn't really feel like there's a reason, but just did all of a sudden. And I thought, well, it's kind of good that this physical thing happened so that we could find out the other part and mm -hmm. get working on it. But mental health is so important. And you and I know there's certain cultures yeah, that think that, oh, that's just in your mind. You know, you just need to pray more. Um, we can't go to counseling because that's telling your business. Okay, and that's what's wrong with you, your grandma, and, and mm -hmm. for generations back because Absolutely. no one received the, mental, the proper mental health 
work Absolutely. and counseling that they needed. So we need to get, and people are going to need more of it. Absolutely. I think even <laughs> our mental health workers have been uh, just scratched to the max. Uh, yeah. M- medical workers all together. Uh, many yeah. are experiencing burnout. Many are traumatized as a result of what they're seeing and the uh, impact that all of this is having on people and they're taking on that. And so, um, yeah, uh, mental health is real and yeah. we cannot uh, continue to say, oh, it's uh, typical team. Right, right. (laughs) Because it's not, I I don't think anything typical, and that's not anything that I would ever tell a student of mine or or anybody else, just say, oh, it's typical. Mental health is real. And many of us, we're experiencing the same thing on the parent side of it. And I shared even with my children and some more young women is that we think those same things, we have those same thoughts, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling sad, we're feeling overwhelmed. We think about hurting and harming ourselves sometimes. We just think of more sophisticated ways to get it done so that it won't look like. And so we're dealing with something greater than us, something that is definitely out of our control. And um, I mean, we can't eliminate or minimize it to the point where, oh, they're just acting out. I honestly believe that is the, if there's a behavior and the behavior's off, because we all know our kids, if we're paying attention and right. we don't have to give a whole lot of attention to know that something is off, we just have to be concerned enough to ask to ask the hard questions sometimes. And I know even for me in my household, that has been one of the uh, most challenging things that I've had to face is asking those hard questions. And then when, when when, when we have the answers to know now what steps do we take from here? Mm-hmm. because you have to have a plan. You have to have a backup plan. Uh, we can't fix it all. Right. Prayer is good but prayer is not going to fix it all. I think that that is a cop-out for many of us. And I think mm-hmm. that we have used it for years. And that's one of the things that I let people know. I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm not. I'm saved. I, I, I uh, love my Lord and Savior, my creator. But when it comes to religion, it's a whole totally different thing. Right. So yes, prayer. Yes, I understand what that is. But I also know that we have a mind, we have intelligence, we have resources, and we can't use, oh, he's going to fix it. He may fix it, but there's also something that you have to do. So I right. think to use that, oh, uh, I'm just going to pray about it or just pray about it. You can't come at me with that because- right. We're praying all along, right? Every, every day we're we're praying. This situation still came up, so now what? Right. So so if you either you have the answers or you don't, but to just pray about it when you're talking and you're communicating with me, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. And this is why we, as the body of 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 Christ, 
we as uh, believers in our creator, we have to get over this lazy mentality, this poverty right. mentality, this mentality that uh, we can sit and live any kind of way and do nothing and he's going to fix it all for us. Those, yeah. those days are done. If 2020 and 2021 has showed us anything or taught us anything is that uh, we have work to do. Right. Our pastor just said that today along the same line. He said, you do notice that in the Bible, Jesus didn't perform not one miracle without first having something to work with. Mm -hmm. He said, even the blind man, you might've thought, well, what the poor blind man have? He said, uh, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with the sand. <laughs> he always performed the miracle that started with something. Absolutely. You know, he didn't like wave his hands and create the meal for the 5,000 people and actually fed them. the 5,000 was just the men. He said, if you do, right. really do the research, it's like 30,000 people there, <laughs> but he got the little boys lunch. There was something to work with. And that's where people miss out. He, he meets you where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's actually, that's another lesson when we're talking about the challenge of raising teenagers you have to remind them to do the best with what they have mm -hmm. you know i don't expect perfection out of you i wasn't the perfect teen and that, that's a whole other topic that we have to come for <laughs> i can't stand parents that make it sound like they were so perfect mm -hmm. or maybe they don't make it sound Not like it. <laughs> right but they'll never speak the truth well how can your child ever feel comfortable mm -hmm. to open up with the challenges they've had some of the worst mistakes that my kids have ever made, they, they couldn't even hold it for a day or two because we've always had that, com that com the communication. You know, even my, my bonus daughter, we say bonus because step makes me feel like Cinderella and like there's not a good relationship. <laughs> and she's 29 years old and was only five when I met her dad and seven when we got married. So I've been around most of her life. Um, just have always had the conversation. And, and share your story. Now it needs to be age appropriate, but you, you, you have to share, like, how are they ever going to feel comfortable with you mm -hmm. to get the right information and try to do the right thing? If you walk around like you're uh, penny perfect and Paul perfect, if you're that dad <laughs> that tries to act like you, di you didn't do anything wrong, you know, yeah. you were just absolutely perfect. But, and there's a lot out there. This is something else. It's even more important to be honest because mm -hmm. um, as much as you would like to think so in a world of social media, guess what? You're not their greatest influence. Absolutely. You're the foundational Absolutely. one. You're the foundational one because you raise them, but you might, you might not be their greatest influence. Mm -hmm. It might be somebody on social media, one of their friends, like whatever. And Absolutely. so you, you better jump in the mix as much as you can. And even myself, I'll tell you what's a challenge. If I'm being honest, I work from home anyway. It's not just because mm -hmm. of COVID. I always have. And at the end of the day, I'm just tired. What I want to do, I want to go in my room and lay in my bed and watch TV until I go to bed or tinker some more on my computer, looking at Facebook myself. I have to make myself come out of my room at least a couple of those evenings a week and talk to the, talk to the teenagers. Play a game. Even if I don't want to leave my room, I have them come in it. We play a game. You have to work at that because mm. it's natural for everybody. Even them, if they spent the whole day on schoolwork, they want to go in their room and be alone too. Or let's, we don't eat, we don't, I'll be honest, we don't eat dinner together every night. Uh -huh. we, we might get it in once. Um, we need to get better at that. But last night we had a, a family movie night, even with my son in college. 
because we watched Coming to America 2 over Zoom. Oh, wow. So that was really fun. I just, I realized to be able to see him and talk to him, Yeah. Uh, you know, as we watch the movie and stuff, you have to try hard because we all, and, and you feel like, Ooh, now your kids are a teenager. So they're more independent, but in even myself, I'm preaching to the choir. You have to make sure that their level of independence doesn't cause you to totally ignore them. Cause I can do that. Yeah. I'm an only child. <laughs> I'm guilty. And, yeah. I'm guilty. Um, yeah, I don't listen. And I, I think when you and I first met, that was one of the things that I was sharing in a, a meeting that we were in is that I, I have trouble that that's one of my weaknesses. I do not listen. My personality is so strong. I think I know everything. Can't nobody tell me nothing. <laughs> and so I don't listen. And even I can be in the same room. The kids can be talking and my mind is somewhere else. My husband can be can be talking my mind is somewhere else or I'm preoccupied doing something else so so I, I'm guilty of that but I, I wanted to kind of slow you down just a little bit as we're beginning to wrap up because this is another issue that uh, or challenge that has come up uh, and I'm glad that we were able to um, touch on that a little bit what happens when even the children uh, our teens begin to question whether or not God is real. Yeah. Because this is another issue because we have lost so many family members and so many loved ones and many children are now being um, taken from their homes or being placed right. in alternative settings as a result of everything. Uh, what happens or how do we uh, help or support a team that has maybe lost their parents and in alternative uh, housing situations to where now they're even questioning uh, whether or not God is real. Right. It's a hard conversation. And sometimes that starts even before the teen years. My son, who'll be 19, I can't believe it, in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I believe he told me when he was like 10 years old, he started to question whether or not God was real. And I asked him his 10 year old version of himself, you know, obviously still young, going to church was every Sunday. What made you doubt? Now, the 10 year old version, his reasons were kind of superficial. Like he literally thought he basically wanted God to, to perform tricks, basically like magic tricks to prove that he was real. Like he would pray prayers, apparently like, hey, if you're real, God, make the poster on my wall blow. I'm like, son, that's witchcraft. He can, but he, he doesn't have to do that. You need to pray for things that are actually meaningful in life. And the answer might be no. That's something that people forget. The answer might be no. But how you really help the teenager who's struggling. And a lot of times it's because if God is real, you know, how come this is happening to my friend? And how come this is happening to us? And how come I'm, I have to always remind them. I remind them all the time. God being real didn't take bad things from happening in the world. I have to take them back to the foundations of the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned and got kicked out of the garden, we left the place of living in some utopia. You know, we, we left that space of living in a utopia where we would have probably all lived forever, never aged, never got sick, didn't even look old, just lived forever. We lost that. And also, there's free will also. So some things that happen to people is their own choosing God's reality is not hinged upon perfection and you always getting everything you want. But at the end of the day, it's a faith walk. So then I have to give them real examples 
that they can look upon. Okay, we're not any more special than anybody else. And you've lived in this house and you've seen God make a way where me and your dad were unexpectedly out of work at the same time. You know, your grandmother has never been able to own a home in all of her 70 years. And yet you were born already living in a home that your parents own. You, you've seen God literally work miracles in our life and yours. And we always try to point those out. So I think with teenagers, you have to bring them to the fact that, again, the reality of God's existence does not mean your life is going to be perfect. What it means is that he's with you. If he weren't with you, this thing that you thought was bad would have been so much worse. He's kept you even though that thing happened. You know, somebody died, but they could have died sooner than that. Yeah. This happened to you, but you could have lost your mind because this happened to you. Yeah. And, and here's the basic faith lesson that is so profound to me and people don't think about it. Think about health class. They show you a textbook back in the day we actually had them. They show you a textbook and you look at what? This skeletal outline that has all these bodily organs in it and they teach you how they function and allegedly your heart beats. I said, have you ever seen those organs? Like, seriously, have you ever seen your own organs? And okay, yeah, I saw them on the x-ray. How do you know that the x-ray was real? Just because that piece of equipment is telling you that that's your heart and your stomach. And you don't know that. The doctor could have been, you exercise faith every day. I said, you're sitting in this chair. And I, this is how I really got somebody in college that was like, well, I don't believe. I said, you sitting on the floor. When you get ready to stand up, what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to stand up. Did you have to sit there and go, hmm, let me figure this out. Well, first I got to, okay, I got to move my legs across. So I got to lift my left leg and lift it up and then move. Think about how much happens for you to reposition your body. Lift my right leg and stretch it out. And then I've got to put, I say, you just automatically assume that when you decide to stand up, that it's going to work and you're going to be able to do it. That's faith. Absolutely. And so well put so well put i hate to wind down this conversation it's it's good it's good why don't you tell the audience where and when they can find you in uh some of some of your resources that you have available okay you can find me the easiest way to look at everything i do is a a link tree but you know that's kind of hard to spell that out so i'm just going to go say wywana.com W-Y-J-U-A-N-A.com. I'm also on Facebook under my regular name, Wywana Montgomery. Uh, Reach Forward Foundation also has its own Facebook page under that name. And when you visit that, you can link to the nonprofit's website as well. Find out how your sixth through 12th grader can join if you're in the Oklahoma City metro area. And as far as resources, I'm a speaker, I'm an author, um, I've got a couple things coming up. I will be doing a workshop for the Oklahoma Successful Adulthood Program, OXA. So if you look that up on Facebook, that's on the 19th. It is a free workshop. And if you are a social worker, therapist, you have a teenager, girl, anything like that, I encourage you to join in. We're going to talk about the many colors of the teenage girl, basically let you know a lot makes up who she is. And until you figure out how to connect all of those dots, you will have a hard time connecting and, and bonding with her. Um, and so 
yeah, I speak. I've got a mindset transformation program for teen girls called Living the No Fear Life. And then, of course, there's the book. Bold, Brave, and Courageous mm-hmm. is available on my website if you want an autographed copy, as well as on Amazon. And so, yes, I am here to support not just teen girls directly, but anyone else that has their own program where they are supporting teen girls. I love to connect and just help you continue to engage them, especially in this changing time that we're in. Oh, wow. This has been awesome sharing the platform with you today. We appreciate you sharing uh, all the resources and where we can find you guys. Uh, look for her on her link tree, link tree slash Ywana. Uh, yes. Look for her. You can find uh, uh, direct access to all of her platforms and uh, websites and all that good stuff. Uh, awesome book. So if you have a teen, go get the book. You can find that on Amazon. Also uh, on her website, like she said, uh, we look forward to having another conversation with you back here on the Woman the Woman platform as we want you to come back. <laughs> I'll be back. You know, we got much more. And we I'm on Instagram now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Instagram. I've gotten better about yeah. that. I'm on Instagram. Dropping little nuggets to encourage me. But I would love to come back. There's plenty more we can talk about. Absolutely, Wiz. Good to have you guys. You have been listening to Woman to Woman with Antricia Bray-Smith. Until next time, guys. Thank you for dropping by the Woman to Woman podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please like and subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on my link tree at linktree slash and Trisha Bray Smith. Again, that's Linktree slash and Trisha Bray Smith.